0: A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms Cannon Company. My name is Cam Edwards. So glad that you're with us on the program today. By the way, I've got to give a, a shout-out to my old friend Jonathan in Oklahoma City who uh, was uh, uh, talking with my wife on Facebook over the weekend and said, I've got some friends who had no idea that I, I've been friends with Cam for years and years, like, went to our wedding. Uh, That's how long we've been friends uh, and was insistent that uh, he was making it all up. So no, Jonathan is my friend has been for a long time. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to chance to uh, get out to Oklahoma city again before long. And, Get a chance to catch up in person. It has been way too long since I've been back to Oklahoma City for a visit. So, anyway, there you go. Uh, before we get to our uh, uh, news in depth here, we do have one other thing to get to. You know, with the political pressure of the left and the woke mob that is the Democrat Party these days, our society is ultimately in danger of becoming controlled by the cancel culture elites. Since when does the founders of our Constitution or the American flag or people like Dr. Seuss or virtually anything else you could think of become anti American? There's never been a better time in our nation's history to stand up against this woke mob and fight back, and you can do just that with this exclusive offer that I'm giving my listeners and viewers for a limited time only. Now is your chance to win a signed picture from President Trump himself. That's right. Not only will you be taking a stand against the radical left, but you'll be entering to win a piece of history. And all you have to do is text the word Trump to 55404 today to enter. That's T-R-U-M-P to five five four zero four. And you can join the millions of Americans in standing up for President Trump and canceling the radical left once and for all paid for by the National Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee. All right. So let's get to the uh, the big topic of the day, which is constitutional carry. You know, heading into this year's legislative session, uh, we have 21 states across the country that have already passed constitutional carry laws, right? And I think heading into this year's session, we were looking at five, maybe six more solid potential gains for constitutional carry, at least five other states where uh, it looked like the prospects looked pretty good, right? So Indiana, Georgia, Ohio, Florida would be the fourth, Alabama would be the fifth, right? Those five states, I think, were, were really the key. Now, here we are late February. It's been, you know, six weeks or so since the uh, legislators uh, first returned to their state capitals, respectively. And I have to say, so far, like, we haven't seen constitutional carry really fast-tracked in any of these states. Uh, In fact, there's been some troubling signs uh, in Indiana. There there, there was a uh, period where the state senate president uh, got a lot of criticism for not assigning constitutional carry to a uh, to to a committee where it could get out. Uh, a couple days ago, Roderick Bray, who's the uh, Senate President in Indiana, said he is cautiously optimistic that the bill is going to be approved this year. So that's a little bit of a change, and I think a change in the right direction in Indiana. One of the other states there where we've seen some hangups has been Alabama, where uh, the state sheriffs' associations actually teamed up with Moms Demand Action in opposition to constitutional carry. The head of the Alabama Sheriff's Association went so far as to say he would actually be in favor of uh, 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 revising the Second Amendment to take away the right to carry completely. Yeah. You've got uh, folks like Mobile County Sheriff Sam Cochran who have been vocally opposed to constitutional carry. And, you know, the constitutional carry legislation of both the House and the Senate in Alabama um, really, again, has not been fast-tracked nobody's conceded defeat nobody's said anything like that but it's just you've you've had that thought okay are we gonna see another year go by where this legislation is just sort of stuck in limbo well maybe not because there are several news stories this week indicating that uh, this in fact could be the week that constitutional carry starts advancing in alabama first uh, you got this story about uh uh, permit permitless concealed hangouts could get Alabama legislature vote this week, specifically talking about in the House where House Speaker Mac McCutcheon says there is a good chance that representatives will vote, uh, vote on the bill as early as Tuesday. Uh, House Republicans who hold a lopsided majority in the chamber have named the legislation as a priority for the year. Now, here's the thing. The state House hasn't been the hangup. It's really been over on the state Senate side. Representative uh, Shane Stringer who is a former Mobile County Sheriff's captain, who was actually fired by Sheriff Sam Cochran because of the representative's support for constitutional carry. He was the House sponsor last year. Uh, He has been pretty adamant that the votes are there in the House to get this bill across. But the state Senate has been an area of concern. Uh, However, it looks like we might be seeing some progress there as well. WVUA in Alabama... Uh, reporting over the weekend that the state Senate could be ready to uh, to hear Senate Bill 1, which is constitutional carry legislation. As they note, it's been on the docket uh, in some form or another for almost a decade now. Uh, but State Senator Gerald Allen, who is the prime sponsor on the Senate side this year, uh, says that uh, he believes that this week we could see a vote coming. Uh, he says the Second Amendment gives you and I and others the opportunity to carry a weapon to protect ourselves, our families, and our business, and it's a right given to us from the founding fathers when they wrote the Constitution. I, I would, I would, I would, I would disagree with Senator Allen just a little bit because this wasn't a gift given to us by the founding fathers. The right to keep and bear arms predates the U.S. Constitution. It predates the Bill of Rights. The reason why we have The Second Amendment to begin with is because American citizens, uh, many of them, were not comfortable with the idea of ratifying the Constitution without an explicit Bill of Rights enumerating no-go areas for the government. If you ever read the preamble to the Bill of Rights, it, it makes it clear. That's the reason why it exists, because there needed to be further declaratory statements blocking what the government could do in areas of our lives where the government could not intrude. And one of those areas was the right to keep and bear arms. Again, a right that predated the Constitution, clearly predated the Constitution, clearly predated the uh, formation of the United States of America. So uh, it, it was not a gift uh, given to us or granted to us by the founding fathers, it was a pre-existing right that was recognized by the framers. Uh, and if we, uh, if they did not take that move again to uh, to to enshrine that right uh, in our constitution, you might not have seen the Constitution ratified to begin with. But anyway, I digress a little bit of a uh, little bit of a. I- I'm always good for a digression on history. Uh, so. Senator Allen says a vote could be coming. Now, the opposition from many law enforcement officers, not all of them in Alabama, but many sheriffs and local police chiefs, uh, that still exists. Uh, In fact, uh, WVUA quotes uh, Byron Wade, who is a a chief deputy with the Tuscaloosa County Sheriff's Office. Uh, He says that uh, they've got a lot of concerns about schools. They've got concerns for mental health. He said, obviously, we're concerned for the safety of our officers who are out in the streets. Um, He says, uh, quote, allowing more people to carry hidden weapons or more easily purchase them means potential danger for the community and law enforcement officers charged with keeping it safe. He says, we know that we have fewer resources now, and we certainly need resources for our mental health community. I I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, and, And listen, you know, in Alabama, every sheriff's department gets funds from every concealed carry application that is approved, right? When you apply for your concealed carry license, part of the fee that you pay goes to those local sheriff's offices. And so those sheriff's offices and the sheriffs themselves, I think of a genuine concern that, look, we're going to lose money, right? We're going to lose out on funding. Now, I don't think that that's a reason to stop constitutional carry. I think it's a reason to change the funding for the county sheriffs because I don't think that, that those who are exercising the right to bear arms should be singled out and forced to pay what amounts to an extra public safety tax for exercising their constitutional rights. Public safety is, again, a concern of the general public, and sheriff's offices should be funded by the general public uh, without gun owners having to pay more than their fair share. Uh, And lawmakers in Alabama have actually said, look, we're willing to address this. We acknowledge that this is an issue. Uh, we want to work with you on this. They've also uh, created a list of prohibited persons. This was one of the other concerns of law enforcement is that, well, we're not going to know who's legally eligible to carry and who's not legally eligible to carry. Well, now they will. By the time constitutional carry goes into effect, if they do end up making a stop, they do end up talking with somebody, uh, they do need to figure out, okay, is this person a legal gun owner or not, they will have the ability to do that. Uh, but legal gun owners, again, should not be singled out, asked to pay, more than their fair share for public safety for all, nor, by the way, should any of our constitutional rights come with a tax or a fee attached to them. So, again, I'm hopeful that uh, we are, in fact, going to see some genuine progress made when it comes to constitutional carry in Alabama. Uh, Again, we wrote about this earlier today, bearing arms, but Indiana looks like things are starting to uh, progress there as well. Georgia, I feel pretty good about. Uh, I think that the votes are there, and I think that uh, with Governor Brian Kemp uh, a pushing constitutional carry, I think that that uh, might provide a little bit of extra oomph. Uh, you've got constitutional carry that I, I, I believe is making real progress in Ohio as well. Remains to be seen what Governor Mike DeWine is going to do with constitutional carry, but I think he's going to get the chance to sign it into law, and I hope that he does. Uh, Given that this is an election year, it would behoove the governor, I think, to uh, energize uh, his base of support, and signing constitutional carry would certainly do that, while vetoing constitutional carry, uh, I think would unnecessarily cause some problems with uh, conservative voters in Ohio. Uh, And then you've got Florida, where Anthony Sabatini, the uh, state representative who has authored constitutional carry bill, uh, does not appear to be (laughs) first of all, it doesn't appear that he's successful in drawing a lot of other uh, co-sponsors. It also appears that he's not doing much to actually try to convince people. uh, You're drawing more, you know, you attract more flies with honey than vinegar. Uh, He's getting awfully salty uh, with those uh, who are not uh, vocally on board with constitutional carry. And I've heard from Second Amendment advocates in the state that uh, the lack of progress can be laid entirely at the feet of Representative Sabatini. I don't know that I necessarily buy that. I, I, I'm i sure that personalities come into play here, but bottom line, I, as a gun owner, I don't really care how well you get along with your colleagues. I don't even care if one of your colleagues who's, you know, supporting constitutional carries is a complete and utter jackass. I don't care. It's the bill that matters. It's the policy that matters. And I don't want to see politics or personality get in the way of good legislation, but I I have a feeling that that might actually be the case in Florida this year. I hope that that's not the case. I'd love to see Governor Ron DeSantis uh, uh, throw his weight behind constitutional carry. That might get it moving, but uh, for right now, anyway, uh, even the governor appears to be, uh, he has said, sure, he'd support it, but doesn't appear to be doing much heavy lifting to uh, get constitutional carry moving in the state legislature. So right now, I would say if we're looking at uh, states where it's most likely to happen this year, I start with Georgia. Uh, and then I'd add in Ohio, and then I think I'd go with Indiana and Alabama sort of neck and neck behind with Florida drawing up the lead or drawing up uh, last place unfortunately now again, there's a potential for all five of these states to adopt constitutional carry language uh i would i that would be my preferable outcome, but uh, I think right now the state where it appears to be in the most danger would be in the uh, state of Florida. We'll keep our eyes on all of these states we'll bring you the latest information as it becomes available. But right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there with a case out of New Mexico where a man is accused of raping a gas station clerk just hours, literally hours, after he was released from jail. This uh, was not this past weekend, but weekend before last. Uh, Kenneth Colby Miller is the uh, gentleman's name here. And uh, Miller was released from jail on a uh, trespassing case. Uh, And apparently after he got out on this trespassing charge, he then tried to rob a guy outside of a Buffalo Wild Wings. Then he allegedly uh, stole some stuff from a sporting goods store and then allegedly went to this convenience store where he attacked the clerk and then proceeded to rape her. A nearly hour-long attack, according to KRQE. She was forced into the back office before she was eventually able to escape and get help. Um, According to KRQE, uh, jail records also show that uh, Miller, has a lengthy criminal history, it wasn't like this was his first arrest, was trespassing, and then they, you know, he bonded out. No. Um, According to court records, Miller already has a uh, previous criminal history of aggravated battery on a household member, false imprisonment, auto theft, and more. Now he's facing three felony counts of criminal sexual penetration, felony robbery, as well as petty larceny. Um, The uh, prosecutors are filing a uh, motion for pretrial detention, arguing that since Miller allegedly committed these crimes just hours after being released from jail, that uh, he violated probation multiple times, that he should be kept uh, behind bars while he awaits trial, which... Again, prosecutors could have made that case when he was arrested on trespassing. It's not likely that he would have been that they would have been granted that request, uh, given the low level nature of this crime. But again, I, I think based on what happened after Mister Miller was released from jail, the crimes that he is now accused of committing within just a few hours, uh, it 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 certainly does indicate that the uh, system may not have ever taken Mr. Miller as seriously as it should have. All right, on to today's Armed Citizen story from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where uh, KWTV Channel 9 reports on a uh, defensive gun use that happened over the weekend in an apartment complex on the southwest side of Oklahoma City. It was uh, near Southwest 15th and Westwood early Saturday morning, just before 6 o'clock in the morning. Police say a man was inside his home. Uh, when he heard what sounded like uh, somebody trying to break in. So he grabbed his gun. He saw the intruder actually gain entry into the home, and that's when he aimed and fired. Uh, Officers arriving on scene found a suspect who had been shot, a non-life-threatening injury, according to the Oklahoma City police, uh, who say at this point no arrests have been made. Uh, Looks like uh, perhaps the uh, individual suffering the non-life-threatening injury taken to a local hospital. Uh, But I would expect at this point that the homeowner, not going to be facing any charges if the uh, evidence supports his account that he uh, fired his shot at the uh, intruder once he saw them actually trying to break into the home. And uh, finally, today our good deed of the day from Arizona, where a good Samaritan in the right place at the right time wasn't able to do the right thing to save two children who were trapped inside of a burning apartment. That just a uh, sort of a fuzzy screen grab from uh, officer body cam, uh, but by the time officers arrived. At the site of this blaze in Mesa, Arizona, uh, back on February 18th, uh, Good Samaritans had already sprung into action. When crews responded to the uh, fire, they found two second floor apartments engulfed in flames. Uh, A man who was at a nearby car wash actually saw what was going on, left his car, jumped a wall, ran over to the complex, ended up rescuing a two-year-old child. From one of those units, he handed the uh, toddler off to an officer who had helped break windows by uh, throwing rocks through them. And then the second child also rescued by that good Samaritan who actually went inside that second floor apartment, grabbing a six-year-old child and also passing that child off to a police officer who stood on top of a shed. Both children taken to a hospital, treated for smoke inhalation. Good Samaritan, by the way, did not want to be identified. Uh, truly uh, a remarkable circumstances, uh, you know, going completely uh, above and beyond to save the lives of two people because he was there and was able to help. I wish I had a name to uh, put with this story, but to that anonymous Good Samaritan who, again, helped save the lives of two children in Mesa, Arizona just a few days ago, we thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam & Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking with our friend Selena Zito. She's got a brand new column out talking about the new gun owners across the country and the difference that they could make in this year's midterm elections. We'll uh, look forward to that conversation with Selena. And uh, don't forget, in the meantime, you can always check out BearingArms.com for even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber as well. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. And in addition to showing your support for the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism we're doing at Bearing Arms, we're going to say thank you by giving you exclusive content uh, analysis news stories commentary you just can't find anywhere else because your support really does matter it does make a difference and we really do sincerely appreciate it all right everybody we'll uh, see you back here tomorrow until then be well be safe be free